Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rabbit. Thank you for joining me uh, for this particular podcast. One of the greatest debates in regulation across the globe uh, and even here in Australia is how we get to a point where compliance doesn't cost the world for people to to fulfil. And one of the debates is about red tape and also how do we ease obligations in circumstances where complex regulation may not be justified. A recent podcast I did with Dr. Keith Kendall, the chairman of the Australian Mechanic Standards Board, touched on his thoughts about making the accounting standards less complex where the board was able to do so, given that the Australian scene is also tied to the international accounting standards regime issued by the folks in London at the International Accounting Standards Board. For this podcast, we'll look at the audit side of the equation with the Chairman of the Auditing and Assurance Standards Board, Roger Simnett. Roger's involved in the project internationally related to less complex entities, which has a focus on how you make auditing standards more user-friendly for people that are not auditing uh, complicated businesses, complicated entities that have weird transactions, for want of a better word. Um, Roger will be talking about that and a range of other issues. Roger, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Tom. um, Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. You're on the uh, committee for less complex entities. Before we start teasing out some of the kind of technical issues involved here, are you able to describe in brief what the project is and what it's looking at? Yeah, yeah, certainly, Tom. Uh, so this is part uh, of my uh, membership of the International Auditing and Assurance Standards Board as a member. Uh, you know, when I, before I went on there, they approached me to take on this particular area. So I was chairing a, uh, a task force and following up a lot of feedback uh, that the international board had had about the fact that standards are becoming more complex uh, and potentially less suited, as you said, for, uh, for applying to less complex entities. Uh, so we have worked through a process, Tom, at the IAASB on seeking feedback uh, on these organisations in uh, in 2019 when I first came onto the board. Got a lot of feedback from around the world uh, and we're now developing the plan. So I'll let you uh, ask questions and we can dig into the plan a little bit rather than me going on a, a, a dialogue here. Uh, that's fine. Look, it... Um... It's late November or for the November 2019 or late 2019 in any case, you had the discussion paper, submissions came along. Um, what is the, so where's the project at right now with the, the, the planning for it? So, so we've got, uh, we've broken, basically broken the project into two streams uh, and I'm chairing one stream. And one is that uh, we have identified uh, from this that there is a demand for a separate standard, Uh, so a a separate ISA for less complex audits. So we're trying to develop that standard at the moment, uh, seeing if we can take the suite of standards uh, and maintain a reasonable assurance level, Tom, so that's important. Uh, We don't want a second-class audit here. That's uh, something we've heard. 
so uh, maintain a reasonable assurance level, but put it there very suited to these, what we call less complex uh, entities, and that's going to be very, very important to define. So that's that's the first stream. That uh, We are developing that standard. We haven't yet uh, got... Uh, the, the board has passed... Uh, initial support, uh, but we are looking at putting a work program in front of them, along with a draft of the standard at the December meeting, uh, December 2020 meeting coming up uh, in a month. The second stream, which I'm a member of that one now, the second stream I'm chairing at is looking to see what we should do over the suite of standards, uh, Tom. So, uh, and again, we're hearing the complexity there. So it's not only an issue for these small organisations, but how do we make the standards in general uh, more uh, less complex, more understandable, more consistent, more scalable, more proportional? It's called the CUSP: complexity, complexity, understandability, scalability, and proportionality. Uh, and we're looking to see what changes we need to do in those standards uh, across the suite of standards, which has really come down to a a driving a documentation approach uh, as to what's in requirements, consistency in documentation is where we're concentrating. So high level, that's where we're at on the two streams, Tom. Okay, so you're looking at a draft standard to be put to the board for consideration in... December, what, right. form, what, what form is that standard going to take? Are you able to describe the, the, the kind of document that we're talking about? Yes, so it'll be a single standard. It will have a number of, let me call them chapters. I don't know whether they'll be chapters or sections. Uh, and it'll drive, basically drive you through a process along the lines of the way in which you would do an audit. Uh, so there will be a, a chapter on, on on acceptance. There will be a chapter on uh, understanding uh, the the entity. There will be a chapter on gaining evidence. There will be a chapter on risk. There will be a chapter on reporting. Uh, so we're structuring it up uh, as a number of chapters. It'll be a little bit like ISIS, uh Sorry, the IASB for SMEs. Uh, and it will be the audit version of that. So the IPRIS for SMEs model, which yes, for listeners... Yeah, not... although it's not looking anywhere near as long or uh, as the IPRIS for SME uh, standard is, but it's along the lines of that sort of model. Now, there are differences between audit and accounting standards, aren't there? And we need to clarify that when we when we talk about this, because audit is about how people do a task, um, in order to get adequate evidence and adequate information to uh, reach a conclusion, whereas accounting standards deal with how you account for something, how you present and prepare a set of financial statements. Uh, am I right in saying that it is possibly less complicated to do a, um, a truncated uh, user-friendly document for audit than it would be in the accounting standards space? I think that's probably not right, uh, Tom. I mean, and my reasons for that is the accounting standards are uh, basically on standalone subject matter. You know, it's on an accounting issue such as leases, uh, such as revenue. 
Okay. The auditing standards, as you outlined, are a breakup of a process. Uh, and so it is uh, the breaking up on the process. And it's a lot of stages. Uh, it's how you break up, how you how you actually break up that process into discrete chunks which make it available. And there's a lot of iterative nature in audit. So every standard is interrelated and you can refer back to any stage. So if you if you find later your understanding is not correct or your risk identification is not uh, full, you need to be able to refer back uh, to other areas. So I... Uh, you know, it's, it's debatable, uh, but I, I actually think there is, uh, you know, some, it's it's possibly more arguable that the the breaking up the ISAs is uh, uh, is a little bit more difficult or, get, or developing the separate standards a little bit more difficult. It's one that is worthwhile exploring uh, later in the stages of the project to see where the IISB gets to uh, in all of that. Uh, I'm well aware of what happened here when we went to the reduced disclosure regime in the accounting in the accounting space, and that was a challenge because there were people who were wanting infrastructure uh, SMEs implemented, and the AASB went with cut down disclosures and consistent recognition and measurement criteria. Uh, audit, audit, as you rightly say, is a, is a part of a process and how you how you tell the story of an audit in a truncated standard without leaving essentials out is part of the part of the challenge isn't it uh, absolutely and uh, you know and again we're we're aiming at the same level of assurance we're not aiming at a second class audit we're trying to make the auditing standards more manageable for these less complex entities so you know they will be taking out uh, by by Defining what is a less complex entity, there will be taking out uh, specific uh, information. Uh, and the way that the auditing standards are structured, Tom, as you would be aware, they've become extremely complex. You know, the, the two recent revisions to standards, uh, which is uh, 540 on audit estimates and 315 on understanding risk and, uh, and assessing risk, they're probably, uh, you know, they've, they've added a lot of potential complexity because it's a more complex world uh, and uh, and we need to be able to address those more complex areas. But the, but that complexity in some of those areas may not necessarily be scalable or proportional to these to to, to the audits here. So um, but uh, so it is an area and, and the aim and the overall objective is to maintain the same level of reasonable assurance. The other thing that's interesting when we talk about risk assessment in, in, in this particular space is um, the need for the audit professional to stay abreast of technological developments and developments in business practices just continues. So the framework needs to allow for changes in technology, uh, changes in for example, the methods that bad actors use to try and steal money electronically. All of that comes into play, doesn't it? And it all does. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, we, we write standards which are framework neutral, um, but we have to be able to pick all those things up. We have to adjust for specific uh, changes uh, in technology. So our standards have to be uh, suited so that they allow um, innovation in audit processes, uh, so we don't want to stifle good innovation in those areas. 
uh, and we've got to got to respond to changing uh, uh, expectations. Uh, so, and you, you know, areas like going concern and fraud, and they're two areas separate to this, the separate to this uh, uh, LCE project, but they're two areas that are on the IAASB agenda at the moment. Those two areas are being driven largely by concerns from the UK and elsewhere, aren't they? They are. Uh, they uh, well, but, but we are hearing these around the world. So, uh, sorry, certainly from the uh, UK, uh, it did come through our parliamentary joint committee uh, that these are two areas that we should look at. But again, the parliamentary joint committee. Uh, were very much influenced by what's happening around... Well, I believe they were very much influenced by what's happening around the world. They were paying attention to that. Uh, uh, and uh, so they are areas that we need to pay attention, but very much uh, uh, looking at uh, issues in the UK, uh, Carillion, uh, Wirecard, uh, and making sure that, uh, you know, these these situations, uh, you know, we, we, we have an approach uh, which, is, which is proportionate response uh, to try and deal with these situations, but you, uh, you you can't. There is such a thing as over-regulating in the shadows of large collapses, though. Uh, and the extent to which you're able to you know, make amendments to auditing practice, auditing standards, um, is uh, it's not really a cure for. Poor practice in a business. That's part of the problem. Oh, absolutely. And, and we know that we're only one part of the, uh, you know, the reporting ecosystem, uh, which we keep on referring to. And if you and if people refer <laughs> to the IAASB um, uh, paper that is out here for consultation on expectations gaps related to fraud and going concern, uh, you know, the, the solution may not be in the auditing standards. We need to explore that. Uh, so, but you're certainly right that, there can be knee-jerk reactions from regulators uh, they, to to be seen to be doing something, and uh, we have to make sure that we get uh, uh, our regulatory uh, response uh, proportionate and effective in those circumstances. You're a long-standing academic, long-standing researcher, um, and it would not have been lost on you that the work on audit in less complex entity situations may be uh, useful for teaching purposes, uh, certainly in, in undergraduate and postgraduate qualifications. Uh, what is it? Is that something that you're bearing in mind as this document goes through the process? Oh, Tom, you're always insightful. Uh, it, it's... It is not front of mind. Uh, it is probably a back of mind because what we finish up with is a, a standard which still gives you same level of assurance, uh, leaves off some of the areas of complexity and some of the areas of duplicity uh, which we find in standards because of the way we write standards and we refer back to other standards. If we can put it all in one, we don't have to potentially duplicate. Uh, so it, it would be uh, it would be a an area, although always there is a knowledge expected of the ISAs, even, and that's something that we need to debate in this area as we go forward for public process as to, you know, whether knowledge of this single standard versus knowledge in the ISAs uh, is, is beneficial. I'll give you an example, Tom, uh, which is 
there will be little application material in, in this standard. There may be some, but there'll be little application material in this separate standard if this goes forward. Um, but whereas if you're, if you're doing an ISA audit, you are expected to have knowledge of the entire suite of ISAs, which includes the requirements as well as the application material. Uh, that, that raises a separate question, which is whose job is it to teach the full suite of ISAs? Uh, and that's right. And again, you know, it's again what you can do at the uh, university level, and then again the uh, you know the the role of you know the institutes, uh, uh, the professional institutes, and the role of the firms in this makeup to make sure that people stay up to date with all the most recent changes. But the one thing, the, the one thing in uh, doing the work that you're doing. And yes, it functions as a, in a sense, a kind of a checklist for people in a small firm using a cut down standard to do the job they're doing. But it becomes a question of pedagogy. You know, how do you teach this? And to whom do you teach it? And where, yeah, and at what point um, do you go to the, smaller document is it after you've looked at the whole thing or is this the entry point from an academic standpoint look it's a great point let me uh, let me take exception to a couple uh which is checklist uh so i, I checklist has negative connotations <laughs> uh, and uh so uh hopefully it's not just a checklist hopefully there is an understanding uh rather than a a tick off um the uh the the approach of and, and must, uh, what I must say is, you know, once I do this at the, once we run this through at the IAASB, there's still going to be questions then back as to whether we even use this uh, at the at the AUASB, you know, whether this has a role in Australia and how it has a role in Australia. So they're all discussions that we have to, uh, that we have to have. Um, uh, but certainly, and and the other the other area is uh, that would raise, you know, the, just the issue that you've raised, the way you've worded it. You know, we have audits done under under regulations, uh, usually by a registered company auditor. Uh, and I cannot see a situation where a registered company auditor will not be expected to have a full understanding of the entire suite of ISAs. So is there another designation? These are issues all, all that are going to be open for the public debate going forward, Tom. Absolutely. I think, you know, we've covered uh, the LCE discussion fairly uh fairly broadly, but there's a couple of other issues that are rolling around the place. I've looked at, I've recently looked at the PricewaterhouseCoopers Transparency Report. They've done a really good job, 50 pages of it. Uh, it takes a while to read. Um, and it lends, lends itself to, to the question of what standard setters um, are able to do to, to secure confidence and trust in audit the firms are doing transparency reports the firms are communicating in that form what is the role of the auditing standard setters globally and domestically when it comes to uh, maintaining a degree of community trust in in the audit product yeah that's certainly on the agenda and it's actually been just approved at the uh, at the international level under our quality management suite where we looked at 
um, the information on the quality management process, uh, which is effectively where our, of, of the audit firm. And obviously it's a, a regulatory approach that we use in Australia. And, and the approach there is that where you're doing listed entities, uh, so this is at the international level, where you're doing listed entities, uh, then there should be uh, something where you discuss the quality management with the, the board or the audit committee, uh, Tom. Now, uh, and that's for anyone, that's not, you know, you don't need to have 10 listed entities like you do for the transparency report. That seems uh, that that's been justified on the basis of good business practice that you would expect organisations uh, would have that and, and probably have a document that they can give to boards and maybe make uh, more available. But uh, it's certainly uh, something that uh, IAASB has in its revised suite of quality management standards, which is going to be going through the AUASB uh, in, in, in the forthcoming time. The question of sort of confidence in audit. Uh, I know the your your role as chair of the AUASB and certainly your membership of the IAASB is the setting of the standards. Um, is there much? Do you find people out there in stakeholder land being a little confused about what the function of the AUASB is when it comes to dealing with the audit space? Uh, no, I, th I, I think people are, are clear uh, as to what the role of the AUASB. I think that sometimes where there is a lack of clarity is, is where you have a, a response which really needs a coordinated response across, as I said before, all members of the, of the reporting ecosystem. Going Concerns a good example. What can we do? Is, is, it, is the most appropriate response to be, you know, beef, beefing up auditors' responsibility? Should we be looking at reporting responsibility? Should we be looking at those charged with governance? Uh, I think we're getting better at getting a coordinated uh, attempts at dealing with these types of issues. So, so I think that's an advantage. I don't think there is is confusion, but sometimes there is a difficulty as to where you can get the best approach. And I think the FRC, you know, for example, has done a really good job on coordinating a response under under COVID uh, of all the organisations. So we knew what everyone was doing. So, uh, and uh, so. I think it's uh, you know it's important that we actually do have a coordinated response. I'm aware of uh, what Keith Kendall, chair of the AASB, talked about, and you can see that he is emphasising, for example, the importance of coordination uh, with other people like the AUASB. So hope, hopefully it's just a matter of making sure we work together as best we can. Now, you were, as I mentioned earlier, you're somebody that's done a lot of a lot of research in your time. It's something that you're still being involved in. What are the, uh, what's the current status of, of research uh, being conducted under the auspices of the AOASB? Because you've done some material uh, over the past 12 months looking at the audit market. Is there yep. anything new coming? Ah, yes, there is. Uh, so look, and we will be again doing something on the, the audit market. We're doing a lot under the auditor reporting post-implementation review. Uh, so, uh, and so post-implementation review, which feeds into basically the IAASB doing post-implementation review as well as us. 
So we're looking to see whether all those audit reporting initiatives, which includes CAMS, are working as we expected. Uh, they will feed into going concern. We'll have a look and see what concerns there are in that particular area. We're also doing work in the non I'll call it the non-financial uh, areas, uh, continue to do work on climate change, uh, and we're doing some work on on tech on technology. Uh, so some of the uh, technology cha challenges, uh, as well as uh, trying to make sure that our our standards uh, is not only important to have good standards, but also important to have very accessible standards in the way that people expect to access. So we're doing a lot of work on how we structure and make accessible our standards. So lots of initiatives at the moment, Tom. In fact, you know, it's, it's keeping me pretty busy. When's the, when's the next research pro, uh, product expected uh, from the, the, the audit board? Are you, are you looking at something early in the new year or is there anything imminent? Uh, the uh, we, we, we actually have a selective roundtable where the the major findings of the post-implementation review uh, on audit reporting related to going concern will be presented this week. Uh, so on Friday the 6th uh, for a selected audience. Uh, so um, uh, I just wanted to make sure that I had um, uh, major players uh, so uh, uh, for a selected audience in that particular area. Uh, and that will help structure up something. I would have liked to have something available by the end of the year, Tom, uh, and, other, and other initiatives announced uh, by the end of the year. Okay, that, that's great. Now, Roger, if people wanted to know more about the work of uh, the audit board and how, it, how it's progressing and how things are shaping, uh, given that I'm mindful of the time, uh, where, did, where would they need to go? So for the international work, uh, I would refer them to uh, the IAASB website that actually have an update on each of their work programs, including the uh, less complex entities. Uh, so we update all and all the papers that we do, which are publicly available, are available there or links to those papers. Uh, and that's that's also accessible through the IFAC website. Tom, I don't know the, uh, uh, the website details offhand. And obviously, from the AUASB, we uh, we put everything that we want there from the AUASB. So please refer to the AUASB website and uh, certainly uh, work program, uh, which we're going through re revision, uh, as well as any uh, research uh, areas uh, there. So I would refer them to those two major sites, Tom. Okay. Roger, thank you so much for spending your time with me and talking about the less complex entities project, which I'm sure will continue to be somewhat controversial in parts and also some of the more general issues. So it's been, uh, been great to talk to you. Always appreciate the time. And uh, certainly as we let, let's, let's see what we finish up with the international and then we consider our, when then we have a look at how we best respond to these things in Australia. So uh, thank you very much for your time too, Tom. Absolutely. Thank, thanks, Roger. And to the listeners, stay safe and look after each other.